Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition, to win at work, drive your career forwards, and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Munro, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this month's episode of uh Breaking the year end stress cycle. Actually, this is Jean's episode, but due to me gallivanting all over the world, I was in Dallas, I was in Mexico, doing various conferences and bits and pieces, um, we shift this into the South. So um, apologies that mi- for those of you that have missed us, and for those of you who have joined us for the first time, welcome, it's brilliant to have you. Today, we are going to talk about the year-end stress cycle. So a lot of you will have just been through a year-end. Obviously, April is the most common one, followed very, very closely by... The, the December and the calendar year end. So I always want to take this as an opportunity to take a pause and a reflect for those that had an April year end. For those that have a year end coming up, it's an opportunity to make some changes. Um, I do I do feel incredibly sorry for those that have a December year end. The combination of Christmas and financial year end is not always the greatest. Um, but we're going to talk through today a couple of different things. So we're going to talk about why is it stressful? We, I'm going to share some basic benchmarks, but I'm going to, I've got a few caveats around those. Um, I'm going to talk about things that you could think of to perhaps alleviate some of the stress. Um, and, and it's, uh, some of this will be common sense. Some of this will maybe new. It may be something you think of, but it's always good just to take a step back and reflect, which is what today's session is all about. So let's get started. So what stats say about the current time to close in terms of an annual close? Now, this was really hard for me to find any good benchmarks. We've done some survey, but I don't feel like I've got enough responses to um, to give you guys a good guide. So if for those of you that haven't, I would really, really value you um, just popping onto the survey um, and answering a few questions about how you feel about close. And then I can share that. I'm happy to, if I get enough responses where I think I've got a good mix, then we'll take that back out. So, um, Soph and team. So, what do the, the current stats? The stats I did find were very much US focused for our US listeners. This will be good for you. Um, but, and they're based back in 2019. So, the current average time to close is 25 days, and that's an annual close. There, there's an interesting piece, isn't there? Um, I think the the average for a month end close falls between sort of five and seven days on on average. So it's quite interesting there. So, okay, so that's what we're looking at. Now, I'll be interested to know how that compares. So, so what does it mean? So and why is year-end in particular so stressful? So one of the things I find fascinating is obviously we do a lot of migrations. And so picking the right time to migrate is always a really interesting conversation because a lot of people think that um, migrating at the end of a financial year is the best time. And it is the cleanest time. But very often, because there are additional pressures that come in with with a year end, sometimes it's not the best time. So that's one of the questions I always ask, hence the reason for this topic. So why is it so stressful? So I think there's a few things that just from conversations that I have with people 
the reasons it becomes stressful. And generally, people avoid taking this time of year off. So that, in one way, gives you your answer, right? It is an incredibly busy kind of year. And, and I think it's important that it can be incredibly busy, but it shouldn't be stressful. So so how do we move away from that, that stress and that anxiety that comes with year end? So Let's talk about why it is stressful. So firstly, you've got time pressures, right? You have more work than normal and you have to complete it um, within a certain time frame because expectations from your stakeholders, your management team, your board, etc. Accuracy pressures. The reality is, is that you can get away as you go through the year with making sort of adjustments and getting yourself into line. But when you finalize those accounts, they need to be spot on because um, those, those are the accounts that are going to be audited, et cetera. So there is a real pressure around making them perfect, right? The third thing is business pressures. So the value, depending on what industry you're in, you know, how you're funded, et cetera, you, you may be sitting in a PE and go, I have this every month. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, But there is very much more of a pressure on business performance and measuring and benchmarking that performance at the end of the year, which obviously adds to the pressure. For some of the processes, calculations you go through, you don't do every month and then not on a regular basis. So there, there can be a bit of unfamiliarity. You might have some new team members that haven't been through a year. You're with you, especially at the moment, there's a lot of movement in the labor market. So you might have some new people in. That can um, that may not know the processes that you go through, and and the fifth is uncertainty. You don't know what you're going to find. There is absolutely nothing worse than reconciling and finding an issue when you really don't have time to to find the mistake or to dig into it. You have to, but you know when you've not really got a lot of wiggle room, that adds a lot of stress and anxiety. And the sixth, people forget this, is that you have to get back to business as usual because your sales managers are going to want the the the, the month's reports, all of that side of stuff at the end of the month, you know, regardless of whether you are wrapped up in year end. So there are lots of reasons why year end is stressful. Okay, so so how can we reduce that stress? I'm not, I'm in no way promising to to make it stress-free. I'm just talking about making it less stressful. And and a lot of this will depend on, firstly, how automated your team are, how well organized um, and how good the processes are within your team. And I very often find, particularly when there's a shift from maybe a single person finance team to actually a team of people managing finance, that's where this it becomes incredibly stressful because they haven't had the time to actually put these processes in place. So, you know, and, and I think that's really important to, to remember is that I'm not saying that you don't have good processes if you have a stressful year end, but it might be, but this, hopefully this presentation, this conversation will just get you thinking about some of the things that you can do to make your next year end less stressful. Okay, so I am trying to pitch this because it's really interesting. When I get feedback on these sessions, we, I know we have a mix of CFOs and finance people from all levels of business. So I know I've got a mix from sort of top end of small through medium and even some people in enterprise having a sneaky peek. Okay, so please bear in mind that, you know, as we go through this, whilst I'm trying to make it applicable to everybody, just bear in mind that there may be a mix. Okay, and some of this may be obvious and common sense. And if you find some of this stuff, you were already doing that. That's brilliant, right? That's a really good sign. Um, and actually, it means that you guys are on the on the path. But I'm trying to 
hopefully giving some food for thought for everybody. So how do we reduce stress? There's four things I think we should think about when it comes to reducing stress. So firstly is, are we prepared? Well, okay. You know, and I'll talk through what we can do to prepare for year end. Obviously, there's a limit, but there are some things we can do in advance. Um, how do we reduce uncertainty? So there's there's loads of studies. There was one definitely back in 2019. Um, it was really interesting to do with the electric shock system of all things that showed that when you know that something is common, coming, regardless of whether it's good or bad, it is less stressful than not knowing that something or that thinking that something might happen, right? And not knowing. So as human beings, we like certainty. Um, in finance, we definitely like certainty. And that makes this year-end process particularly challenging for a lot of people. Okay. So one of the big things I talk about is how do we minimize, we're never going to get rid of them, but how do we minimize uncertainties? Um, three, automating as much as possible. The reality is, is that a year end comes on the back of a month end. So if you haven't already seen our, um, sh- you know, shifting to a continuous close, you know, reducing your month end close time session, that one is jam packed with a lot of hints and tips that also apply to a, to a year end, right? Because your year end sits off the back of your month end. You have a good month end, you've got more time to to go through the year end, right? And it makes it a hell of a lot less stressful. So, and that comes, a lot of it comes down to automation and good processes. So that's one to pick up. It's available on demand. It's on our website where we have a list of all of the previous sessions that you can access. Okay, so do check it out. Um, this stuff is evergreen. It's I've designed <laughs> I've designed this program so it is not specific to a time of year or to an episode. It's very much something that you can go back and consume the historical content. So prep well, reduce the uncertainties, automate as much as possible, and do as much as you can before the year end. Right. So there's that I have seen this in quite a few organisations. Admittedly, uh, um, depends on the size, but a lot of people will leave the stamp, you know, basic reconciliations till the end of the year. You know, if you know fixed assets, for instance, is a biggie. They'll only do that at the end of the year. Do as much as you can before the year end, and do it on a regular basis because then the the shift between where you need to be is a lot less. The volume you're dealing with a lot less. If you've got problems, the problem becomes a lot less, right? So we'll talk about some examples. Um, this is not a, um, I'm not going to be able to cover every single example. You will probably have lots more. But those are the four things that we're going to think about. Okay, so how do we prep well? How do we reduce uncertainty during the process? How do we automate as much as possible? And how do we do things earlier on in the year and more on a more regular basis, which then also hits that unfamiliarity conversation as well. Okay, let's get started. So the first thing I've said, so this is um, also something I use in month end um, assessments when I'm figuring out how I'm going to reduce people's month end. It is just as applicable to a year end. Okay, so please feel free to use this. The template is on um, available on the month end page. Again, you can, you can shift to that continuous close webinar and see that there. So this is just a basic spreadsheet, but what it has is the days across the top and you can break down the tasks. Now, I would actually add to this in that we're going to talk about checklists, et cetera, but it's a really good starting point where you can start to reverse engineer the problem points in your year end. So first thing is make sure you know what you need to do for a year end. Okay. And this brings us very nicely onto our first section, which is prepping well. Okay, so there's a few things that you can do 
particularly at year end, to really um, minimize impact. Okay, so it's not going to get rid of it, but it's just it's it's just helping the process. So the one of the things I always recommend is notify your suppliers that obviously you're coming up to year end. The ledgers are going to be you're going to be a lot stricter around ledger closing if you're not already. Um, and remind them that if they don't have invoices in before a certain date, they won't be in the first pay run of the month. People, obviously, suppliers want to be paid faster. Sending out a quick email notification just encourages them to reminds them to send their invoices in ahead of time, right? So you're more likely to get them in on time. And given that we need to close down the year end as well as do a month end, that's really, really important. You may you may have EDI systems in place. You may have um, automatic scanning, but that only works well if the suppliers actually send things across in a timely manner. So that's what we want to get. So we want to remove any potential risk around that. So if you are in a particularly dynamic sales environment where finance are heavily involved in things like approvals, helping discuss payment terms, discounts, all that kind of stuff, um, make sure you get ahead of the game for that month. You know, the last couple of days of the month, you don't want to be swamped with emails and chases from salespeople saying, can I have this discount approved, etc. So do get ahead of yourself, pre-approve certain types of discounts and options, payment options as well, because that often comes through. Do whatever you can to, to minimize the pressure from sales on your team prior to closing the month end. Again, you may say you do this already. Wonderful. I'm preaching to the converted but people don't often think about this, particularly when it comes to a year end. Third thing is um, a couple of days before the year end, sit down with your management team, your heads of department, whoever holds and manages purchase or your procurement team and actually review outstanding purchase orders. Because the, the reality is that there may be old purchase orders that are no longer valid. There may be ones where we need to chase the invoice up or not, the case may be, um, or you know it's going to be rejected. So just get hold of that estimated accruals or the process around accruals nice and early keep that moving and one of the things that I really think that a lot of people don't do is a pre-year-end meeting with the finance team and a risk assessment so what are the understanding what are the tasks who is responsible for each of those but actually setting out your plan as a team for how you're going to get this end this year end done um, and done quickly, right? So that you can say, where are the risks? Where could we have delays? What can we do to mitigate it? You know, things like um, emailing suppliers, asking them to have stuff in earlier. You know, you, you'll think of lots more and your team will think of lots more, but you need to just give them a mechanism. So I suggest doing this either the first week of the month before year end or the end of the previous, depending whether you're in the midst of month end close. Um, but take the time to actually sit down with the team understand what are the tasks for the year end, understand risks, understand potential delays, and do your very best to mitigate. It's also at this point, you should have ha- you should have your checklist. Yeah, you should have your year end tasks broken down into obviously the task, um, any dependencies, is it dependent on another task? Yep. And who is responsible for executing that? Yep. Um, and then you can also put in accountability lines depending in if you um, as a team are a bit larger than the norm. So those last two I see as almost combined. 
but it's really, really important. And uh, yeah, so making sure that you're you're really clear on understanding who's responsible for what, what are the risks, going through mitigation. So if if somebody's off, do you have multiple people that can cover that task? Um, what if the supplier does come in after the close date? What are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? Just going through all those scenarios so that you've not You've not got those questions and having to think about that during the actual year end process because, you know, you should be focusing all of your attention and all of your your brain power on getting to the year end. Um, And again, less uncertainties, less problems coming up makes it a hell of a lot stressful. Okay, so next, reducing uncertainties. So like I said, as, as finance people, we want things to be perfect. We don't like, you know, most people choose to go into finance because they like the certainty. Others go in, like me, go into finance because we like a challenge, right? But you'll be one side of the coin or the other. Either way, none of us operate at our best when we're in an uncertain environment or a volatile environment, which is really interesting given the current uh, economic, political uh, world environment, which um, as it stands. So what can we do to actually minimize this? So we talked about a few things already, right? We talked about the pre-year-end meeting and risk assessment. Talk about checklists so we're clear on what we need to do. We've not forgotten anything. The third thing, you know, in line with that sort of prep meeting that you should have, having ongoing scrums and conversations, depending on the size of your team and or the timing, you might want to have that um, every, every morning for 10 minutes. You know, where are we where we need to be? Where are the barriers? What's next? Yeah. What have we got? Any problems foreseen? And encourage your team to flag things early. So this is this is not a, a year-end thing. This is a project management piece. The earlier you get sight of problems, the more likely you are to be able to deal with them and the less impact they are likely to have. A problem shared is a problem halved. You know, you'll hear all sorts of interesting phrases along those lines. And it's very, very true. So encourage particularly those new or junior members of your team to flag things early if they spot an issue, don't know where to code something, any of those things, don't wait for you to pick it up in a reconciliation or a check. Give it, you know, ask the question early. And again, you know, levels of training, understanding about coding mistakes, et cetera, should be picked up in your risk assessment pre, pre-year end, okay? Minimizing adjustment volume and value. So you really do want to get to a point where you are minimizing both the numbers of adjustments you need to make, but also the values, right? Because, when there are big numbers, they can be a bit more scary and a bit hard to deal with. And also, you know, from a from a principle, we what we are, and I hope we all are, are looking to shift to this ongoing continuous close, real-time reporting. If you're doing these massive adjustments at year end, if that needs to feed into management reports, then we're missing an opportunity. So think about all of the adjustments that you need to do. Can they be done progressively through the year? Or can or is there a way you can do that? So classic example is stock, getting regular stock checks in each month. I could talk about other options for that as well. But you know, what you really want to do is minimize volume and values, right? Because again, you you then have less uncertainty about where you're gonna end up, right? Less worry about are we are we doing okay? Fifth, and this is obvious, right? But you would be absolutely surprised about how many people do not reconcile regularly pre-year end, right? So they might do a basic supplier age credit against your TB. Yes, that will match it. It's wonderful. Jobs are good in. 
But have you done a supplier statement reconciliation? Have you done? So all of those additional checks that you need to do to meet your audit and or year end requirements, have you done them periodically through the year? You don't have to do every single statement rec through the year, but a bit like you do with a perpetual inventory, can you continue to do it? So really think about what are the reconciliations, particularly balance sheet, that you need to have in place at the year end, and then make sure that those are also done throughout the year. Sounds like common sense. However, lots of people have so many competing priorities through the year that it may not always get done. So think about how you implement those those checks and those balances as you go through. And more importantly, if you're, say, a fractional CFO and you work with an individual finance, how you're going to monitor that those things are being done, okay? And then number six, locking periods down. So most systems have a way to actually stop people from posting transactions after a month end. Because if you have implemented good reconciliation processes, good checks and balances, once you've produced a month end set of accounts, you need to make sure that is locked down. The reality is a lot of people don't actually lock or they regularly reopen. If you are going to reopen, you need to have a log of what you've done on that reopening. So I am the first person to say, let's get rid of a spreadsheet, right? But having reasons documented per per reopen and what you've changed is a really good guide. So if something's not quite right and it definitely was reconciled and you've stored all your reconciliation attempts, yeah, you've got a point in time that you can go back to and go, right, it was right at this point and this is what I changed. I need to look at those things. Okay, so really, really important, particularly when you're trying to troubleshoot reconciliation, uh, reconciliation issues. And the other thing, and I said about reconciling regularly pre-year end, save those, right? So if you're lucky enough to work with some products that give you checklists, then save copies of your reconciliation. Because one of the hardest things, and having done a number of reconciliation and checks over the years, is actually figuring out when it was right. Because once you know when it was last right, you can work your way forwards and figure out where the problem is. You do not want to be doing that under pressure in a year end. So you want to make sure you know exactly when it was right, you figured out any problems that you can identify pre-year end, and then it should just be a tick in the box for your final piece. Yeah, you're just on to things that you cannot manage pre-year end. Okay, so, so we talked about prepping well, talked about reducing uncertainty. We're now onto automating as much as possible. So this feeds very much into just general processing, right? How do we get everything into the system so that we can focus on processing the accounts. And this will have lots of benefits, right? This stuff will impact your month and close time, will impact your ability to shift to real-time reporting, all those kind of things. So I'm going to give you some examples, right? Because I like to give inspiration. You know, you don't have to have all of these things. Some of these things may not be an issue for you, right? But some things to think about in terms of easy ways to improve your close time and or your year end is think about speeding up how quickly you purchase invoice processing. So how you manage invoice approvals, how you manage getting documents in. You can look at OCR technology. You can look at EDI. There's loads of tools out there to look at. Yep. So that's one thing. Fixed assets. Fixed assets is one of the most commonly used spreadsheets that I come across. Um, Even if you only have a small amount, it's one less thing to think about if you have it in a system. Most systems will have a fixed asset register. You can just pop it in, upload your spreadsheets, it posts all the depreciation, 
helps you manage disposals, does all that good stuff. So think about that within your system. Bank reps. If you are still using paper bank reps and your team are still highlighting things, please, please, please think about taking your bank reps digital. If you're like, no, no, we're not that bad. We, we you know, we have a tick, 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 ticky box as we go through our bank rep. Brilliant. Think about um, automatic matching rules. Think about feeds in. Think about um, cash allocation tools to automate that process of cash allocation. So that's one key area that I think a lot of businesses can improve on in terms of processes. And again, should be done daily, 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 daily if you've got large volumes or at the very least once a month, okay? Management reporting. So if you are producing regular management reporting, you want that to be on demand versus at the end of a year, right? So just think, because then again, you're going to get less questions and they will spot things, right? You have a whole army of department heads and people that will help you identify miscodings, miss, you know, missing invoices, etc. So I, I think there there is one piece where people say real-time reporting is about giving information to uh, your management team. Absolutely, finance should be there and sharing that. But it's actually what I tend to find is one, if you give them access to information, particularly drillable information, they will not only self-serve in terms of understanding where numbers are coming from, they will very frequently and more earlier in the process identify issues, right? And you want that. As much as we want to um, produce perfect accounts, actually, they are also a really great sense check in terms of are things coded right the department because their budgets... If they hold that budget, they are the first person to say if they've um, they think you've misallocated something. And also, it's a cost control piece. Let's get let's be honest. We're going into a challenging financial environment. Um, cost control is absolutely key, and they can identify things earlier, unused subscriptions, all that kind of stuff. Build reconciliation dashboards. Like, have you got a place where you can pull all of the information that you need to reconcile quickly and easily? Builds. Oh, there are actually reconciliation and month end tools that you can use. I've been that's one of my um, projects for the next six weeks is actually looking across the suite of providers to see what is available from a you know month year end balance sheet, find you know month end automations you know piece for those that really want to get top class. So that is something that I'm seeing more and more of, and they are out there. So again. You want advice on any of those kind of things? Just give us, give me a call, send me a message, and I can point you in the right direction. Accruals. So a lot of people either don't have purchase ordering, don't have a process by which they record the fact that they've got committed costs, which makes it very hard to do accruals. So do think about have you got the processes in place to be able to get those accruals nice and easily? The last thing you want is any surprise costs at your year end. Consolidation. There are some brilliant consolidation tools. A lot of software will have consolidation built in. You don't want to be mucking around with exchange rates, CTA adjustments, all that kind of stuff, elimination, understanding your eliminations into company. You can automate a lot of those things. So that's another great area to do. Um, and this is one that actually gets forget, forgotten quite a bit, the, the process by which you generate invoices. So whether that's project-based, 
subscriptions, whether that's inventory, how do you get your generation of your invoices? What does your sales order process look like? Does it integrate directly with your CRM? Is it a nice flow, a touchless flow through? Or does it involve a person in finance typing out an invoice? If you have people in finance typing out invoices based on a spreadsheet that somebody has given them or an email that they have been sent, then it's well worth looking into because that is the sign of an inefficient process. Okay. So some ideas, right? Hopefully you're all sitting there going, actually, Hannah, we have been listening for the last few months. Um, tick, 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 tick. We do all of those things, but you know, um, well worth looking at those kind of things because the the buildup of this automation, um, because we go again, because we're going digital with processes, it tends to mean there are less mistakes. Not always, right? In general, on the in the big scheme of things, you tend to reduce mistakes as well, which again reduces uncertainty and um, means that you're you're more on top of things. Plus, it will give you more time to actually process the information you've got. Okay. Again, the next piece is like once you've automated processes. So there's a couple of things, right? Think about, but if you've automated a process, there is absolutely no reason you can't do it more regularly, right? So. Rather than waiting for year end to do things like stop takes, for instance, you could do them on an ongoing basis. So there is a concept for those of you that are stock heavy, because I do, I do talk a lot about rev rack and all those kind of things, but stock is a key part of a lot of businesses. So shifting to a perpetual inventory process means that you're constantly stock taking all the time. Right. So you're you're managing and making sure that you have cycles like stock take cycles in place. So high value items are get a stock take every month, low values is every three months, etc. Or fast moving stock every six months, yeah, or less more than that. You can flip it around, right? But perpetual inventory is a really good way because one of again, one of the key hates, pet hates for both warehouse staff and finance is managing that stock take process, which happens on the last day of the year. Yep. So there are other ways to manage stock levels and your inventory counts. Anything that you have just automated based on the conversation, you can do it more regularly, right? So bank reps, you, if it's all, if it's reconciling itself, have it go through daily. Fixed assets, um, it's automatically generated. So do it every month rather than wait until year end, even if you have a small amount of tasks, okay? Because it all adds up. It's just always one less thing to think about, um, reconcile all those kind of things. Intercompany, very often if you've got multiple companies and there's not a lot going between them, you might wait to the year end. Do it at the end of a month, right? Again, if you've automated, it's easy. You know, there are tools to do that. Um, but even if you haven't, just get it in, get it done, okay? And if you stream up your month end and whatever the ways, you've got more time to do it. General reconciliations, we've talked about that, but my tips for that is one, keep a list of reconciliations, have a way to save down your reconciliation, um, particularly if it's not you doing it, right? So that you really can figure out if something's gone wrong, where it's gone wrong and when. So it make finding the problem a lot easier. Make sure you've got all of the evidence that you might need. So if you do expenses, you might... A lot of, I've seen this before where people are just process expenses in month, but at the end of the year, they need to check and or when they're coming up for a back quarter, make sure they've got all the, the receipts and things. Just do it at the time, right? There are loads of great tools that you can use to do that. Again, reach out if you want some suggestions, but I know a number of them, right? And the earlier you get it in, um, the better. You know, same with things like um, credit cards. Um, a lot of people will, will like process credit cards, but they don't because they need to get the numbers in. 
but they don't always gather all the receipts and they spend, you know, however long trying to chase them. Get tools in place to make that easy for your credit card users to manage that. Again, it's um, same thing. It, and there are tools to chase them as well. So you don't even have to spend the time chasing them. So that's always one of my favorites. And I don't know why people hate submitting expenses. Finance people hate processing. So why not make it nice? Because then make it easy. People are more likely to do it. I'm not promising. They'll actually do it perfectly every time. But you, you're, uh, the odds are stacked in your favor. Chase approvals, etc. You know, do things earlier on in the month, particularly when it comes to year end. So do a checkpoint, you know, 14 days into the last month. Have we got invoices that are waiting approval? If so, why? You know, just really get on those people, have meetings booked in on the first day of the, the AP close to make sure you've sat down with all of your uh, management team, they've approved anything so it can hit the ledger. Just try and book stuff into diaries. And particularly if you need sign-offs from other members of the team, because very often, once you hit year-end, sales breathe a big sigh relief. Everyone sort of chills. They very often first day for holidays, which is a real challenge if you in finance need stuff approving like purchase invoices. So just get hold of that nice and early. Understand if there's going to be anybody off during that period as well. I should have added that to the prep well, particularly if they're in different departments. If the department heads that you need to sign stuff off, make sure you're aware if they're taking time off because it's a really common time. Think about getting visibility of transactions earlier, right? So again, this kind of feeds into continuous close. I do feel like sometimes this is not year-end specific, but the reality is, is that your year-end close time depends on your month end. So getting the visibility of potential transactions, whether that's quotes, whether that's orders, whether that's um, purchase orders, you've got more time to get things through and you, you're more aware of what you might be missing. And I always think that's a good thing. And very often people don't know this, but you don't always have to leave your year-end open to start the new year. Because again, that's one thing that adds to the stress. You're desperate to shut the year end and you don't want to process anything for the next year because you want to wait till it's shut before you actually start processing. Um, a lot of systems, want, you know, once you get to a point where you're like, we're pretty much there, it's just adjustments. There is an option to very often roll a year end and then post a prior year adjustment versus actually doing it in the live piece. Yeah, there are some things you cannot do can't normally edit transactions, etc. once they're through. But if you've done your basic checks and reconciliations before you actually do that process, jobs are good. All right. So it's always worth making sure that you are aware of it. You might already be using it, but it's something I see, especially at smaller end of the scale. Okay. So, so there are three points. So we talked about continuous close and it's come up a few times. For those of you that haven't checked out the webinar on a continuous close, please do. Um, because it's got a lot of content about improving your month end and shifting to real-time reporting, which helps with this. Okay, so my first thing for a stress-free year end, I need to have a continuous close. The other thing kind of leads into is that whole piece around digital audit. So audits are, you know, the days of auditors coming and sitting next to you and pulling folders of invoices out, um, in my opinion, is is disappearing rapidly or it should be gone by now. But actually, if you do your continuous close, your stress-free year-end, and you have solid processes, particularly around calculations, workings, et cetera, then actually that makes the digital audit. Because that's the other stressor. So one of the big stressors on year-end is that these numbers are going to be audited. Um, I want to make sure they're perfect. So thinking about checks and balances around postings, should have that one in as well, it's really, really important. But also 
documenting your workings. It's a bit like that exam, that maths exam. Don't give them the answer. Make sure you've stored and shared your workings. Okay. So with those are the three things that for me, they kind of go hand in hand, right? And at some point I will do a session on shifting to a digital audit and what the what sort of things you need to think about. But let's start with the first thing, which is a continuous close. So there's like five key components that I covered on the previous session. So rethink processes to continuously close. Um, and if you remember, if you're continuously closing your month, you're probably pretty damn close to a continuous year, just saying. And then breaking it down to figuring out how you can instantly get figures where they need to be. Again, it's going to reduce the adjustments at year end. Um, ensure a correctness of point of entry. Technology is key, which I think it is in finance generally these days, but it's really, really important for this kind of continuous close model. And you always need to be evaluating. So check that one out. We've also got the shifting to a digital audit. So for those of you that know that you're in that evaluation process about software, or you just want to see what what the cool, what kind of cool tools there are, um, I am actually doing a webinar on about creating stress-free audits, right? Because I think it's a big piece about how can software help you with an auditing process? How do you use that software in an effective way? to actually um, make sure that audits should be easy and stress-free. And this is all about that digital audit piece. So it's all about giving your auditors access direct to the system, but how do you make sure they have everything they need to not pestering you every five minutes, talking about um, digital transaction and you know how do we link those to documentation, talk about showing your workings, talk about building audit dashboards and menus, and you know tips and tricks like how do you create an environment that your auditors aren't asking you lots of questions and actually can just pull what they need, do the audit and let you guys crack on. It's coming up. And uh, also hoping this session is valuable and that you've got something out of it. But obviously we're producing lots of content, not just these sessions. And also I consume a lot of content personally. So I'm always hunting for great content. So, and I realized actually we're a good couple of months into running these sessions. Um, so first thing, thank you very much, especially for those that have been joining every single one. I know there's some repeat offenders. Um, so firstly, thank you so much. Um, would love to hear your feedback, right? If there's topics you want me to cover, feel free. But these are the, these are probably my favorite sessions. I'm not sure I'm allowed to have favorite sessions, but our most popular maybe and the ones I've had the most feedback on. So um, if you do want to join our next se- um, our next couple of sessions, I've got a couple of them coming up. So I'm prepping ones on requirement gathering, on assessing, doing system assessments, um, on what else have I got coming up? I've got a number of different titles. I've got a nice big wish list in the bag that I'm working through. Thank you so much. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts, um, feedback, would love to hear it, right? Because actually, I do build these sessions um, in the hopes that they are educational and helpful. If you feel like I've missed the mark, if I'm doing the right thing, let us know. My email address is there, just reach out. Like, um, um, I like to think I'm pretty approachable. And I'm always happy to help and have a conversation. Even if I don't know the answer, I'm lucky enough that obviously doing what I do, I meet lots of great people. I can either find the answer or find the right person for you to speak to. So please do reach out. Finance is going on a massive journey at the moment, and it's going to get even more challenging over the next couple of years with the current environment. So actually, we all need to step up and help each other. So please do reach out, but it's been wonderful. So I hope you guys have a fabulous day. Please do join us for the next session and yeah, enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Take care.